Come on, let's give another clap for God this morning. Amazing worship. Isn't he good? Well, just like he said, I am his child, sadly. I'm just kidding. Um, yes, my name is Nick. If I have not met you before, I hope I get to meet you after service today. I just want to honor real quick these lovely people in the front row. My grandparents who have played a major role in my life uh, growing up and my mom and dad, uh, Pastor and Bobby, Bobby and Patty, uh, for just letting God use them and just being vessels. Let's give a round of applause for them uh, and all the work that God is using them to do. Uh, today, I am bringing the word, praise the Lamb. And so... Uh, if you, don't know me, if you don't know me, that's a phrase I say a lot now. It just came up out of nowhere. But hey, praise them though. Ain't that right? Uh, if y'all can open up your word to Psalms 27.4. You know, as you open up there, just give you a quick little story, a little bit about who I am. I am a youth pastor in uh, Baton Rouge at, with Bethany Church. Such an honor and privilege to be a part of them. But uh, I was part of Move Church for a long time. But most recently, I just went on a missions trip in July to uh, Italy and Albania. And I just want to say thank you to those who helped uh, send me there. I think there might be a few people here at this church that helped send me that way. And, uh, you know, I had an amazing time and it just, it's always great to do missions. So if you ever get a chance to go on a missions trip or do missions in state or out of country, I always am a big, uh, big push will always support anybody who does that. But, you know, a funny story with that is, uh, I was with a couple of buddies of mine. We were on the trip and, uh, one night we had a free night. They said, go do whatever you want to do. That's not a good thing to say to some missionaries who are just like, who wants to just do some tourists, who just want to see things. And so me and a couple of buddies were like, you know what? We're going to go by ourselves. We're going to find our way to the uh, to this city. We're going to make our way there. Now, we were about 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes away. And the only way to get there was either by Uber or by train. Somebody say, oh, Lord. Praise the Lamb. Woo. So come to find out, we hop on a train. We already got on the wrong train. Second train in, we're already on the wrong train heading that way. We get lost in the city center of Milan. But how many of you know when we get lost, the Lord helps you get found? Come on, somebody. So thankfully, we used our brains, the common sense that God gave us, and we used an Uber. And we got to the, to the spot. And so um, that had nothing to do with my message. I just wanted to share it. Can I get y'all laughing a little bit? Uh, but in Psalms uh, 27.4, it says, The only thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. To give you a little bit of story about, about this verse from this chapter, this is David writing this. David wrote a good chunk of the Psalms. He didn't write all of them, but he wrote 70, 70, 77 books of the book of Psalms, of the chapters of Psalms. And um, this chapter was in the most darkest times of David's life. This is one of the times when he was getting chased by King Saul, called chasing after him to kill him, wanting to wipe him off the plate because God had told David he was going to be king, and Saul just was fed up. The presence of the Lord had left out of Saul, and he was after David to kill him. But it's, you know, it's an amazing thing that he wrote, that this chapter, the whole chapter, if you ever get a chance to go back and read it, is a chapter of David saying, God, I still want you. Saying, God, I still long for you. I know what you've promised me will come to pass. But right now, even in this darkest moment, when it doesn't make sense, God, I still desire you. And today, what my, the title of my message is called, uh, What Are You Full Of? What are you full of? Look to your neighbor and say, what are you full of? We hope Jesus, but hey, you know. You know, today, today I have a couple points uh, that I'm going to talk to y'all about what we should be full of. But how many of us know that, you know, we always long and always desire to be full of Jesus? But how many of us know we always have those moments where we're not? <laughs> Come on, somebody. We have all have those moments uh, 
where there's times where we make mistakes or we say things we shouldn't say. But, you know, when we, we, what we should be full of is, is that, that longing desire for God. It's giving our whole hearts to him. It's that um, you're my one and only desire, that one and only thing. And there's just a couple of things, like how we was talking about with David, that in that moment he desired God. It was in that moment, in his darkest moment, he desired God. And there's another person we're going to talk a little bit about today, and his name is Samson. Samson was someone that it doesn't talk a lot about, but it was also someone that desired God. He was born in Nazareth, born to be set apart. Him and his family were born to be set apart for the kingdom of God. And, but these are the couple of things that when, you're de- when you have a desire for God, that's what comes along with it. So for your second and third blanks, this is what these are going to be. And so the second one is praise. Second one is praise. When you praise, is you giving him thanks. It's saying, God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. It's saying, um, it's saying it's that longing for him and praising for who he is and who he's going to be. Because he's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, there's one of the things, I'm going to teach you all a little Hebrew word today. There's several other words that mean praise. But there's one Hebrew word I felt I wanted to say. It's like, uh, it's called yada. Y'all say yada. So yada is a Hebrew word for praise, meaning the lifting of hands. So when you see people lifting hands and praise and worship, they are yachting. They are lifting their hands saying, God, I praise you. Saying, God, I worship you. That's what that is. Saying, God, is because when you lift your hands, it's a surrendering. It's you saying, God, I give you everything. Like I, I step out of myself and I give you everything you desire. Then the, sec- then the third point for your blank would be worship. We have to worship him. You know, Google says worship is giving honor and reverence. So when we worship God, we're saying, God, we honor you. We, like, we bow down in reverence. It's a humbling of ourselves, a removing of ourselves, saying, God, I give you everything. It's recognizing his sovereignty. It's acknowledging that he is Lord of everything, like how we said. You know, a lot of us, I know me, especially me, and a lot of us, how we might have grown up, you always say, God's number one, family's second, job third. And I want to challenge us today in thinking, it's like, God's not number one. And in saying that, in saying God's number one, it can leave the concept he can always be replaced. When he's number one and then there's something second, there can always be something that might beat him in a race that that becomes first over him. So when we say God's number one, he's Lord over everything, then all else is added. Because when you long for him and have your desire longs and it's full of him, everything is added into place. And so that's what, what I mean when he is, when we praise and worship and desire him, that's what I mean that he is Lord of everything. And that's hard to say. You know, that's, uh, that's hard to do. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to tell you something I'm not trying to do myself, you know. I'm up here just trying to make it like y'all. But it's something that it's a daily thing that we have to do is desiring him. And you can't have praise and worship without desire. You can't desire without praising and worshiping him. You know, David... And Samson were great examples of that, but they were also great examples of what not to do. <laughs> they were great examples of what not to do. And, you know, for David, it all started in uh, 2 Samuel 11. Just refer back to that. 2 Samuel 11 is when it's about David's fall with Bathsheba. You know, he said he should be at war. He should be at war fighting for his, fighting for his country, for his people. Instead, he stays back. He says, nah, I'm good. Y'all go ahead. And homeboy says, he's, he starts desiring someone else. He started desiring Bathsheba on the, on the rooftop across the way. He said, hey, baby girl, you look fine. You know, he saw her from a distance. He said, I want you to come here. 
you know, and so, you know, that's when, you know, you read the story, that's when his fall happens, he sleeps with Bathsheba, and he turns around, kills her husband, Uriah War, which, funny enough, just like a, a side thing, is that the name Uriah means, in Hebrew means, Yahweh or flame of God. So he killed the thing that he lost, and he lost his flame for God. But that's, that's, a, that's a side message, that's a side message. We're not going to go in there today. We're not going there today. But in that moment, David's flesh was greater. His desire of his flesh was greater than his desire for God. You know, Samson was another great person, dude. You know, like we said, he was a Nazarite, born set apart. You know, you start to see uh, Samson's shift for his desire for God. And, and early in his story in Judges, where he kills the lion, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, kills the lion that was coming to attack him. But on his way back, after he killed the lion, he sees honey inside of the lion carcass and he eats it. And that's where his desires start to shift. Because he was supposed to not eat anything out of anything that was unclean. So that's when you first see his desires start to shift. You know, but he had so many symbolisms, like he had got supernatural strength. He had seven braids on the back of his head, which seven is representation of God's perfect number. There's just so many things that was about Samson that screamed the presence of God. But yet his desires still started to shift. Anything can start to change our heart's desires. It's not hard. You know, and it's, it's not going to happen, uh, obviously. It's not going to be like a big, abrupt uh, thing that happens. It's going to start small. That's what happened with David and Samson. It started small. Then by the time you go down the road, you realize you, you take a step further. Then you keep on going, keep on, keep on stepping into compromise, losing integrity, keep on stepping, and you just go further and further. So one day you realize, and, and one day, you know, the people that say, I mean, I would never be that person. And then you start to say that same phrase you swore you would never say. So that's what happens when our desires start to shift is that we become the person we say we would never become to be. You know, and as we turn, as we turn to Psalms 51, I'm going to tell a little funny story because I know it's getting a little heavy in the room. I'm going to tell another little funny story. If y'all can turn to Psalms 51 with me as I tell this story. Uh, there was this one time my dad and I, we were on a guy's trip, just me and him rocking around. We went and saw, uh, we went and saw this movie. I think it was at the coast. And uh, we went to see five guys. Man, we were, we were tearing it up. We were not eating healthy. Not by no means. Eating healthy was not even on our brains. Like, eating healthy what? What is that? You know, got a cheeseburger? Yeah, we got it, you know? And so we're eating, hanging out, having a great time throughout the day. And that night, you know, we said, you know what? We were sleeping in a, a little hotel. He said, you know what? Krispy Kreme. I was like, two buildings down. Let's walk on over to some Krispy Kreme because that hot and ready sign was on, praise the Lamb. And so, um, you know, we walk over to Krispy Kreme. And my dad looks at me, and I had a very puzzled face when he said this. He said, now, Nick, I want you to get water with your meal. Because I already told him, I mean, I want a, a donut, and I want me a chocolate milk. That's what I want. That's what I desired. I was ready for it. Like, my eyes were set on that chocolate milk and donut now. He said, but, Nick, you got to have water, bro. You got to have water. We got to have a little something healthy. And I looked at him puzzled. And I wish I had said this, but I didn't have the sense to say this. But I was like, I didn't have the sense to say this. I was like, we have not eaten healthy all day long. What's the point of one water bottle going to change anything? Like, that's not going to change anything. Long story short, man, I, uh, I, I chugged my water bottle so I can enjoy and savor my donut and chocolate milk. But uh, I was sick the rest of the night. I was in bed sick, morning going, oh, Lord, help me. And so, um, you know, that's uh, just, a, oh, I was full of something, that's for sure. 
uh, wasn't Jesus at that moment. I was sick. That's what I was full of. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just a little funny story just as an example of just <laughs> what can happen when we're not full of the right things. But in Psalm 51, to give context for this, and the majority of the Bible, as it says in the very beginning, it says, for the choir director, a Psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, Psalm 51, to give context for it again, this is after David's fall. So this, is, this chapter is known as the repentance chapter of the Bible. It's a moment between David and God. It's David bowing down his life before God. And let me read it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my, from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You have proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But, your desire, but you desire honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Do not keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will and they will, uh, they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want to burn offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. O God, look what favor on Zion and help her. Look what favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with, sacrif with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, the bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Now this leads me to my fourth point is repentance. Fourth point is repentance. When our desires start to shift, that's when our integrity starts to dwindle. That's when everything starts to change. It's like how we said earlier, it starts happening little by little. It's not going to be obvious. Satan is not going to reveal his plan in the beginning so that way you can see it and then realize real quick to turn away. No, repentance is saying it's, it's, it's a decision. It's not saying I'm running away from something because I know it's bad. It's saying, no, I don't choose my way anymore. I choose you in your way. It's a heart posture. It's a heart change. You know, in Psalms, on Psalms 51, verse 7, in the NIV, it reads, Cleans me, Cleanse me with, your, with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. And I thought that was kind of odd. I was reading NLT, and I flipped over to NIV in my Bible. And I was like, you know, why does it say hyssop? And I, my second question was, what on earth is hyssop? Like, I don't know what that is. So, of course... Good and trusted Google here. Went and looked it up and gave me two definitions that I just couldn't leave out. Uh, a small, it was a small bushy aromatic plant of the mint family 
the bitter minty leaves of which are used in cooking uh, and herbal medicine. So used for healing, using for if you were sick, used for healing, he'll make you feel better. But the other one is used in biblical use, a wild shrub of uncertain identity whose twigs were used for sprinkling in ancient Jewish rites or a ritual or ceremony of purification. So in the translation, when it says with hyssop, he's saying, God, take, take it and wash my soul clean. He's literally saying, take it, like how they would take the sticks and rub on their body. Take it and rub my soul. Make me new. Make me a right spirit before you. Make, make me whole again, God. You know, and we see, like as we said before, David and Samson, their desires started to change. But for David, it's sad because he didn't come to a true heart of repentance until after his son with Bathsheba had passed. And for Samson, he didn't come to a true heart of repentance until after he had his eyes gouged, put in the prison, and made a fool of. God will give us opportunities to repent before the consequence comes. But it's up to us. I can't force you. Pastor Bobby can't force you. Nobody in this room can't force you. It's all part of the free will that God gives us to choose him over everything, to choose him above all. You know, and when we repent, you know, for David, he became a man after God's own heart. For Samson, he was used greater in his death than he ever was in his entire lifetime. And as, I, as I'm, like, getting ready to close here, and we're going to go into ministry time and a salvation call, there's, it says in Matthew 16, 24 through 28, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's what our heart should be full of. You know, it's as I, I've been studying for this and like praying, like this is something God's been laying on my heart for a while. So I knew it was for me. And I felt like God was wanting me to share it today. And God, as I, as I was studying and God was teaching me these things, I started to realize you can't have desire without repentance. And you can't have repentance without going into desire. And so as, as we're talking, there may be some of you in here today who you may have not accepted Christ into your heart before. Well, it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, real quick, before we go into a, uh, a ministry time, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes for me. If you're saying, hey, this is my first time here, or maybe I've never given my heart to God before, or maybe you need to rededicate your life. This is, this is your moment. This is the safe space. Not because there's warm and welcoming people here, but because God is here for you. So if you feel like that is you, with every head bowed and eye closed, just want you to raise your hand for me. You think that is you. You give your heart to God, or you need to rededicate your life again. Would you just raise your hand for me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, every head bowed and eye closed, we're going to go into this. I want to say this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, Father, we love you. We need you. I give you my life. And I make you Lord over everything. Forgive me of my sins.
make me right in you. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, and some of you might be in here today and maybe you haven't humbled yourself before God in a minute. It's something I have to do daily. I can't, I can't go a day without repenting, no matter what. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's just for the sake of my relationship with God. And you know, there's a dangerous thing that happens and it happened with David and Samson. You know, for Samson, I encourage to go read his stories in Judges 13 through 16. And for Samson, there's multiple times in his story when it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And if you don't, and for, um, to, to explain a little bit about what that means in that, it's the anointing of God coming upon him. Because he already had the strength. That was a gift that God had given him when he was born. But it was the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But there were two times when it did not say that. When it didn't say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And I was reading it. I was like, that's odd. Like, there was a few times, it was like, you know, one time the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And it was for when he went and killed 30 men for clothes for a bet that he lost. And it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And there was another time where he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But I started, the guy started to show me, he started to realize that the anointing was never for Samson. It was for, his pe- for God's people, for the people that Samson was to help, or for the people that was affected a lot by the majority of the time by Samson's decisions. And the first time where he does say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, which was very impressive that he did this without the Spirit of the Lord, was that he went and captured 300 foxes, tied them in pairs of two by their tails, tied them tails in knots, with a stick in, the, in between their tails, lit on fire, and set it through uh, the fields of the Philistines that, because they had killed what was supposed to be his wife. But she was never his wife because she was given to someone else because he went off to get those 30 closings. So she was given to someone else at his wedding. But they killed her, and that's why he said, this is where and why his spirit didn't come, because he said, I will take revenge. I will make them pay. He said, God, take a step out and let me step in. Then the other time, you know, Samson's story continues. Still great works with God, even the anointing coming with God. And, you know, he's still, but he's homeboy, still struggling. He's still sleeping with prostitutes left and right, not doing the things God has called him to do, not following what he was supposed to be set apart, the rules for being a Nazarite. And in the end of his story is when he's with Delilah. And, you know, Delilah's trying to get him to, tell her what gives him his strength and he lies to her every time she's trying to do it for money to get him captured and take it away and the last time he says you know what here you go he gets his strength from his hair and he tells her that and then she says samson samson they have come in they're upon you they come in he doesn't realize he's bound he can't break loose and it says in the scriptures that that's when he realized the spirit of the lord had left and then the Spirit of the Lord didn't leave him because the Spirit was mad. Yeah, I'm sure he was frustrated, but he left because it was a place he was no, where he no longer could stay. And Samson didn't realize it. He didn't realize he had made a place where the Spirit of the Lord could not stay. And the same thing happened with David, with Bathsheba. He said, God, step out and let me step in, which led to him sleeping with Bathsheba, him killing her, her husband, and then losing his son after him falling, but still became a man after God's own heart. 
And for Samson, it says in the word, it says that his hair began to grow. And it was, this was right after his hair was cut. His hair began to grow because he realized he had messed up. He came to a place of repentance. And so I don't know about you, but I know for me, I never want to be in a place where I don't realize the spirit of the Lord has left me. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, there's been several times where I've tried <laughs> over my past, over my story. Um, there's been times where I was doing things. I was like, God, I really don't care if you leave me or not. And to be honest, the Lord protected me through it all. And to be honest, I'm surprised that he did. He protected me through it all. He was still with me through it. He ended my plans before my plans could even start. And so, you know, if we can all stand with me. We're going to go to a few moments. We're going to go into this song here in a second. And it's a song by Michael W. Smith called Draw Me Close. And, and this is just a moment where the altar is open. And then at the end, I'm going to pray forever, everyone. But if you feel comfortable for coming and, you know, because when we come down and yada our hands, give him and lift up our hands to him. Or when we come and bow down at his feet, it's giving surrender. It's that, it's that heart parts are changing, God. I remove my way and I remove myself. And I choose you and only you. And it's not just something for someone for, who is a new believer in Christ. It's something that we have to do as believers every day. Because that's when we start to realize that there's a place being made where the Spirit of the Lord can no longer be. And so in a moment here, we're about to go into this song. And this place is open. We'll have some people coming, just praying behind you. But this is a moment between you and God alone. Not between me, not between Pastor Bobby, not any leaders in this house, but between you and God. And if you don't feel comfortable, I totally understand. But please, just in your seat, say, God, check my heart. Check my soul. Check my spirit. And if there's anything, reveal it and wash me with it. So cleanse me and make me whole again. Father, we thank you for today. Father... We lift, open up our hands to you and say, Father, have your way in our heart. Father, continue to do a work in us. Continue to move in us. Father, I thank you for dreams and visions coming to these people, Father, that they won't be able to sleep because of your presence coming into their rooms, Father, that they will know that you are there with him. They, you are there with, with them, Father. I thank you for the things you're going to do for their lives. Father, help them to know that wherever they're at in their walk with you, that the plan and purpose you have for them, that they are not in the end or in the middle, that they are at the beginning of what you have for them. That is a never-ending thing, that you always want to continuously use them. So, Father, let them feel that in, your, in their hearts today. Father, be with them, and I pray a blessing over them. Father, be with them for the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.